For those of you who do not know her, this is my, my daughter, Addison. She's our middle child. And there's a lot of things I love about Addison. Her smile that she just gave you. Yeah, look at that. Her sense of humor is incredible. Um, her creativity, it, her independent spirit, I love all those things. Um, one thing, though, that I, I really am enjoying about her, and I'm enjoying it while it lasts, because I know that it, it won't last forever, is the fact that she thinks Daddy is tall. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, look, look let's, let's do this. Here, compared to Addison, I mean, I, I'm really tall. And I know she's only nine, and she's only a fourth grader, but come on, it doesn't happen often. So I take it where I can get it, okay? So, yeah, Addison thinks that, that daddy's tall, and, and whenever she looks at me, you know, she has to look up at me, and it just, oh, it just fills my heart, you know? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, because when I was younger, I actually, I had a, um, a pretty big complex with height, So as I was saying, <laughs> compared to Addison, I'm really tall, really tall. And, uh, oh, okay, forget it. I'm not tall. And I'm only tall until someone that's really tall comes along. And then Addison doesn't even see me as tall anymore, do you? Right? Who's tall right now? Who? Luke. Luke. How, is he just a little bit taller than Daddy, or, or a lot? A lot. A lot? Okay, okay, fine, fine. So yeah, I tower over Addie as long as there's not someone to tower over me, right? Well, here's the thing. This example right here, this reality that you're seeing in front of you, um, this actually has a spiritual application to it. And there's a spiritual application that we need to make with what you just saw. See, often what happens to us as Christians, we know we've been saved by grace, and we know that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for our sins. We've accepted that. We've believed that. But from time to time, those past sins, they come up again, don't they? They kind of creep up from time to time. And it usually happens when you're not expecting it, when you're already down, when you're weak, you're weary, you're tired. And something happens, and it reminds you of all those sins. And guilt starts to come up, too, and doubt settles in. And all that works together to kind of tower over you. You know what I'm talking about? You feel that sometimes? And, and you just feel so small below the sin and the guilt that you're thinking about and you're remembering. And... If all you focus on is the sin and the guilt, if that's all you see, it's going to feel like it's just it's towering over you and weighing you down, and, and that's all you can see and think about. But what we all have to do in those times when doubt comes in, when guilt hammers us and weighs us down, when we're remembering all those sins that we committed, what we need to do as believers is look beyond that to change our perspective and realize that we have a greater Savior. Amen. Is anybody besides Cormie excited about that? We have a greater Savior, church. 
He's greater than all our sin. He's more powerful than the strongest feelings of guilt that you and I might have to deal with from time to time. He's bigger than all of it. And He's always there. And He's always going to tower above the guilt and the sin and the shame and all of it. Because He's always greater than it. And so what we have to do is choose to have the perspective that looks beyond the sin and the guilt from our past that might be in front of us and see someone much greater. And when that happens, when the gaze is fixed on Jesus towering over all that past sin and all that that guilt, it starts to shrink and shrink and shrink until we don't even see it anymore. And all we see is our greater Savior. Isn't that great? That's good news, right? Thanks, guys. Appreciate you both. That's good news. That's good news for us, that we have a greater Savior. We need to remember that. We need to remember that we have a greater Savior than all of our sin, that we have a greater Savior than all of our guilt. We have a Savior that is so great and so powerful and so compassionate that it doesn't matter what we were or what we did, He sees us as we are in Him, and He sees all that He did for us on our behalf. We have a greater Savior that is always able to save completely those who draw near to God through Him, because He always lives to make intercession for us. That's Hebrews 7.25. Aren't you glad that you have a Savior who always lives to intercede for you? I'm glad for that. I need that. Because I also have an accuser that is always before the Father saying, How can you love them? Why do you love them? Look at them. They're still choosing sin. Even though you sent your son to die for them, to sacrifice himself on their behalf, to bring them to you, they're still choosing sin. How can you still love them? Why don't you just cast them away? Be done with them. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I don't think so. Yeah, I sacrificed myself for them. And you know what that means? That means they're under my blood forever. That means it doesn't matter what they've done. It's all about what I did. That's what Jesus says before the Father to every accusation that the enemy throws our way. I'm so thankful that we have a high priest, a great Savior that always intercedes for us, always lives to do that. And because we have that kind of a Savior, church, because that is our greater Savior, you know what that means for us? You know what that means for everyone? It means that no one, no one has a history too full of sin for Jesus to be able to write a new story over it. No one, no one has a history too full of sin for Jesus to be able to write a new beautiful story over top of it. Are you glad for that this morning? And that doesn't matter who you are or who you were or what you might have done. Because you see, God doesn't rank or categorize sin. Before God, it's just sin. And we're all equally sinners. 
We're the ones that, that rank sin and, and place it on different levels of severity, right? I mean, we, we are the ones that say, this person over here, oh my goodness, I mean, they are, a, they are a real sinner. I mean, they have done some unbelievable things. This person over here, uh, not so much. That's not what God does. He sees all sin for what it is. The wall, the barrier that keeps him from us. That keeps us from a loving relationship with him as father. And he sees all humanity in the same predicament. That we have this problem of sin hanging over us that we can't solve. That we can't fix. That we can't eliminate. And therefore he sees us all as what we are. People in desperate need of a greater Savior. And that's what we have in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, no one has a history so full of sin that Jesus can't write a brand new story over top of it. I hope that's true of you today. I hope you've believed that. I hope you've come to Jesus with all of your sin and all your baggage and all your guilt. And I hope you've left it with him. And I hope you've experienced and are experiencing the fact that he writes a new story over your life every single day. I hope that's your story. And if anyone in all of history understood how great that is, how amazing that is, and experienced that first hand, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he's the ultimate, ultimate example of that truth. And he experienced how amazing it is, and he never got over it. He never got over the amazing grace that he received from a great, great Savior. And I hope that you never will either. We shouldn't. We should never grow cold to the amazing grace that we have received. Here's the Apostle Paul, what he says about this. 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 and 16. 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. Verse 15, Paul says this. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, full belief. All of our weight can rest on what he's going to say, on the truth of his statement. Here's what it is. Christ Jesus, Messiah, Savior, the eternal, perfect, holy Son of God, came into the world adding on to his divinity, humanity. For this purpose, this is why he came into the world, to save sinners. To save sinners. It's not the healthy who are in need of a doctor, Jesus said. It's the sick. And what we all need to remember, what we all need to understand, what we all need to realize is that we're all sick. We all, each of us, have the sickness of sin that will, if left untreated, undealt with, it will, in fact, lead to death. But God, who is rich in mercy, God, who is overflowing with amazing grace, sent us the cure. He sent us the remedy. It's His very Son. That's, that's who it is. That's what it is. It's Jesus. He sent him into the world to save sinners. Look, don't miss this part. Look at what Paul says. Of whom I 
am the worst. Some translations say of whom I am chief. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience or grace. It's another way of looking at that, his immense grace as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. That's, that's you. That's me. And as Paul is writing this, I can't help but think that he's, he's thinking back to his former life and how he was before he came to Christ, before his encounter with him. And, and I just, I can almost see Paul as he's, he's writing these words. I can see him just closing his eyes. And I imagine that he sees the faces of the people that he barged into the houses of because he found out they were belonging to the way. They were part of this new thing called the church. They were part of this new thing called Christianity. And so he, he found out about it. And he barged into their homes and he grabbed them and he tied them up. He bound them and he dragged them off to throw them into prison where they'd be beaten, tortured, where they'd stand trial in an unjust way before the Sanhedrin where they would be beaten again, or worse. And I, I, I just imagine him seeing all those faces of the people that he did that to as a Pharisee of Pharisees, as the poster child of legalism, as a zealot. And you have to think that Paul, even though he fully understood grace, and he fully embraced the salvation that was his, you have to think that he struggled from time to time with intense feelings of guilt. Because as he told the Galatians, you know, you know, you've heard about my former way of life in Judaism. How I was so zealous for Judaism that I persecuted the church almost to the point of extinction. You want passion? You want devotion to a cause? It was me. But it was the wrong cause. It was misplaced passion. And as he struggled with those feelings of, of guilt that you and I can identify with, I, I, just, I see a change immediately come over him. I see something he immediately remembers, which is what we all need to remember. That even though I am the worst of sinners, as he says here in verse 16, I was shown mercy. And it wasn't just for my benefit. It was so that everyone else go after me can look at my example and say, wow, if God could have mercy on someone like Paul, if God could have mercy on someone who actually persecuted the very church he was going to end up becoming a leader of and a spokesperson for, someone who loved the church more than just about anyone else, if God could redeem that life, if God could take someone who was basically a religious terrorist and turn them in to a missionary and a speaker of the gospel, wow, I have hope too. I can so identify with Paul. I mean, I, 
I, I totally understand where he's coming from when he said, Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst, of whom I'm the chief. I mean, I get that. Man, there are days, there are days when I feel like I could argue with Paul and win. You know, where I could say, oh, no, no, Paul, you don't understand. You've got it wrong. There is no way you can be the worst of sinners because, Paul, I'm, I'm the worst of sinners. I mean, you just don't have any idea, Paul. You know where I'm coming from? You feel that way? Where you're like, did I really just do that? Did, I mean, I've been saved however long it's been for you. And, and I know about grace and I understand what it cost Jesus to give me this grace. And I really do love him and I, I want to please him. But, but look at what I just did. Look at what I just said. can't believe I talked to whoever the way I just did can't believe what just went through my head. What is wrong with me? Right? And it's in those times where I say, man, I, I am the worst of sinners. Paul's got nothing on me. But the good news, the good news that makes the gospel the good news the good news that Paul believed and held on to and, and proclaimed and kept coming back to. It's the same good news. It's the same gospel church that we have to keep coming back to, that we have to keep remembering, that we need to keep preaching to ourselves and to others. It's the good news that Jesus Christ came into the world to save even the worst of sinners and he succeeded. He succeeded. He conquered sin. He overcame death. Your sin, my sin, Paul's sin. Nothing was too great for him. He didn't come up short at all. He did it all. He took all sin. All of it. Yours, mine. Past, present, future. He took it all and he took it with him to the cross. And the death he died wasn't a a death where he was conquered by sin. No, the death he died was because he was using his death to bring sin to death. It was sin coming to death by death. That's what we need to remember. He proved it. He proved that he's a greater Savior than even our greatest sin. He proved that no sin is too great to overcome. He proved that no sinner is too great to save even a religious terrorist like Saul. So it really comes down to a question of how big is your view of the gospel? How much do you really feel that it can cover? Everything or just a little bit? How powerful do you really see God's grace as? Do you really feel that God's grace is greater than your sin? Do you really believe that there's no limit to how far Christ's grace can reach? Do you really, I mean really believe that no sinner is too great a sinner for the Savior to overcome, to save, to transform, and end up using to further the kingdom? Do you really believe that? That's the question. It's a question you've got to ask. It's a question I've got to ask. I mean, we see a lot of examples of ultimate wickedness in our world right now. I mean, think back over the last several years it's like every single 
time you're, you're checking in on what's going on in the world, you're just reminded of how messed up the world is. And there's all these examples that leave no doubt or question on the capability of man's fallen nature, how far it can go. I mean, we've seen atrocities that you can't even process. But when's the last time you and I really got serious about praying for someone like an ISIS member, a terrorist who persecutes Christians by the hundreds, by the thousands? When's the last time you really got serious about praying for the reports on the news of what a vile, wicked person did to their own family, to their own children? And yeah, we should be repulsed by it. We should be enraged when we see innocent people victimized by harsh, sinful lifestyles and selfish choices. It should make us mad. It should make us angry. There's righteous anger but we, don't, we can't stop there. We have to go through that and realize, you know what? As great as that sin is, as horrible as whatever it is you're seeing, you're hearing about, that there is a greater Savior than all of that. And because that great Savior saved me, the worst of sinners, all those other people out there in the world that are doing this and doing that and committing these things left and right, they're not beyond the reach of that Savior. And what we can do is pray to that great Savior with a heart full of faith, believing in His ability and His power to overcome even the worst of sins, and ask that God would save them too. Because He proved it. He proved it with a guy named Saul. That He didn't just change the name to Paul, He changed the life behind the name. And He became, Paul became, one of the greatest men ever to live and one of the greatest missionaries and greatest workers in God's kingdom to ever live. All because of grace, great grace from a greater Savior than the greatest of all sin. And he continues to prove it. He continues to prove it every single day, every single time that he raises a spiritual corpse to new life in him. Is that true of you? Have you come to the place where you realize there's no hope for you apart from Christ? That there's no Savior like Him? There's no greater Savior than Jesus is? If that's true of you, if you've given your life to this Savior, then what happened in your life is a miracle. It doesn't matter if you were living a life of unbelievable sin and wickedness all through your life and only recently came to Christ. It doesn't matter if that's you or if you came to Christ at an early age and by God's grace, He protected you from a life of wickedness and violence and evil. It doesn't matter if you've come to Christ at any point in your life. You are a miracle. Because salvation, church, hear me on this. Salvation is always the miracle of resurrection. It's Jesus, the greater Savior than any sin that comes His way. It's Him reaching down and raising to life a dead, rotting spiritual corpse and giving it new life. New life in Him. That He then turns around and uses to bring even more people to Himself. So he continues to prove every single day that he is a greater Savior 
and there is no one greater than him. Is that your story? That's my question to you today. Is that your story? Is your story a story of resurrection? Is your story a story of dead being raised to life? Is your story a story of one who is the farthest away from Jesus Christ as anyone could ever be? But in his grace and his mercy, he reached down and he drew you to himself and he made you a new creation. Is that your story today? Is that true of you today? If it is, if it is, then don't ever, don't ever stop preaching the good news of your rescue and your resurrection to yourself and others. Don't ever stop preaching the gospel to yourself. You need it. I need it. We've got to preach the gospel that we have already believed in, that we've already received. Church, we've got to preach it to ourselves every single day. Because every single day we're reminded of all that we were before Christ. Every single day we're reminded of all the ways we've sinned and let him down. Every day we're able to have that feeling of guilt swell up within us. And if we don't deal with it, if we let guilt throw us, then what we're really saying is, as great as your grace is, Jesus, it's just not enough. It's not greater than my guilt. As great as my sin is, there's just no way your grace is going to cover it. That's what we're saying if we let guilt have its way with us. So don't be like this guy. Don't let guilt weigh you down. Okay? Choose not to let that happen. You don't have to because in Christ, you've been forgiven. You've been freed from all of your sin. And Jesus Christ, listen to me, hear me on this. Jesus Christ does not hang guilt over your head. And say, remember this, remember that, remember when you did this, remember when you thought this, remember when you said that, remember when you went there. He doesn't do that. No, that's the enemy. That's what the enemy does. And that's what the enemy loves to do. He takes all the things, I mean, because he knows about them too. He knows what we've done. He, many times he was a big part of it. And he hangs that over our head and says, hey, look, remember that? Remember that word? Remember that thought? Remember that action? Man, I don't know. Can, can God really? I mean, can God really forgive you for, for, for that? I mean, I know Jesus is a, he's a strong Savior, but is he greater than, than all of that? And if you listen to that, you'll start thinking, I don't know. Is he? Is he? Don't let yourself get weighed down by guilt over sin that the Savior forgave you for. And don't forget that the reason he forgave you, the reason he can forgive you, is because he paid for that forgiveness with the highest price and cost imaginable his very life. And the blood of Jesus, church, is too precious for us to hang on to guilt and to say that your sin, your sin is just too great for his grace to cover. That cheapens what he did. Don't do that. 
His sacrifice costs way too much for us not to embrace it, for us not to apply it and to walk in it. There's a statement by Charles Spurgeon that I want to read to you, I want to share with you. It's just, wow, it's right on target, and it's challenging, and it's convicting, and it's just so, so very good. I want to read it to you. He says this along these lines. We think we are honoring God when we think great thoughts of our sin. You know, like, oh, I've, I've got to think about my sin. I, I you know, I, I need to, to think about how sinful I am. And here's what he says as we continue with this statement. We think we are honoring God when we think great thoughts of our sin. But let us recollect that while we ought to think very greatly of our own sin, we dishonor God if we think our sin is greater than his grace. Why? Because God's grace is infinitely greater than the greatest of our crimes. Do you believe that today? Are you thankful for that if you believe that? Come on, church. This is enough to get excited about. I heard you last week. I know you can get excited. I mean, my name's not Big Al, okay? But you can get excited when truth is taught. You need to be excited about what God is doing in your life right now, this moment, if you're in Christ. Because right now, right this minute, he's continuing to rewrite that new story that he began when you came to him. And he's saying, no sin is beyond my reach. And he's saying, I've forgiven you, you're mine, I love you, you're kept by me, you're kept in me. Because I paid for all of your forgiveness, past, present, future. I paid for all of your forgiveness on the cross. It's done. It's a done deal. You don't have to hang around your guilt. You don't have to hang around with that despair. You don't have to let the enemy crush your spirit. You don't have to. Don't let him. Don't let him. Think about your sin, yes. But don't think that it's higher or more powerful than the Savior who will always be greater. So, here's what I want you to do. The next time, the next time that the enemy reminds you, which he will, guarantee it, the next time the enemy reminds you about all the ways you've sinned and how it just doesn't make sense that God would still forgive you and still love you. Next time he does that, I want you to do something that maybe you wouldn't think about. I want you to tell him he's right. I want you to agree with him. I want you to tell him that, yeah, he's absolutely right. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that God would still forgive you if it were up to you, if that depended on you. But then I want you to tell him, but it doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on anything I did or will do. It's all about the Savior who knew no sin but became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in him. That's how you can answer the enemy's accusation. That's how you can answer any time and every time the enemy reminds you of all that you did and how it just doesn't make sense for God to still love you, still want you, still forgive you. Now, it doesn't make sense. If it were up to me, if it were up to you, there'd be no hope. I mean, it would be over. It'd be over. I'm so glad it's not up to me. I'm so glad it's not up to you. It's all based on what Jesus, the perfect 
and greater Savior did. And it's about choosing to focus on Him, not your sin. It's about choosing to look past your sin and your guilt and your shame and seeing Him towering over it all. And it's choosing to let that be your perspective. You can remind Him of all those things and you can remind yourself of them too. Now, here's what this does not mean. All of this does not mean that we shouldn't be aware of our sin, that we shouldn't be broken by it. We should. Okay, We need to be aware of our sin. We need to be broken by it. It's not a good thing. It's not an okay thing. We need to take it seriously because sin is serious. It's because of our sin the Savior died. It's a big thing. Okay, So I'm not saying don't take it seriously. What I am saying, okay, what I am saying is that we have to believe the Bible's promises. That if we confess our sins, He, our great Savior, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what we need to believe. We need to believe that He is a greater Savior than even the greatest of our sin. And listen to me, the more we understand how powerful Christ's grace is, the more we get that, the more we understand how incredible it is and how much greater it is than all of our sin, all of our guilt, and the more we understand what it cost Him to provide it, then that should become the biggest source of motivation the biggest source of fuel in our daily fight against sin and against self. You see, the grace that we've received and embraced, the more we understand about it, that's what we use against ourself, against our sinful nature, against our sinful desires. That's the fuel that we use to die to self daily, knowing we have such amazing grace. And the more we see how precious that is, the more we'll be motivated to live for him, not for ourselves. To reject sin and to choose righteousness. Here's what Romans 6, 1 through 4 says about that. Romans 6, 1 through 4, Paul says this. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not, he says. Verse 2. Other translations say, God forbid, may it never be so. How can we who died to sin, which is true of you if you really came to Christ, if you committed your life to Jesus Christ, if He's your Savior and Lord, then you have died to sin. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, listen to this part, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. And what are we to do with that newness of life? How are we supposed to apply it? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.15, And he, Jesus, died for all, that's you and me, so that, for this purpose, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. 
That's our response to grace. That's what we do with it. Horatio Spafford wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul, one of the greatest of all the hymns. And he was gripped by grace. He was overwhelmed by it when he wrote what is my favorite part of that whole song. He said, my sin, my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. That needs to be the cry of our heart. Would you praise that Lord, that Savior, that greater Savior with me as we pray? Would you praise Him now? Before we do pray and praise the Lord Jesus for being the great Savior that He is, I have to ask, is there anyone here today, you've heard all that I've said, you've heard this talk about grace, you've heard this talk about a greater Savior, but you know, you know you've not given your life to Him yet. You've not surrendered your whole self to Him. You've not received His grace. You're still outside of Him. If that's you, I want you to act on that right now. I don't want you to go another minute without giving your life to this greater Savior. He's calling you. He's already paid for your salvation. He's paid for the forgiveness of your sin. He's paid for your freedom from the guilt that hangs over you. If you've never committed yourself to this Savior, would you just let me know that by slipping up your hand? I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to be available to you afterwards to talk with you if you would like to do that. I hope you will. Is there anyone who would say, that's me? I need to know this greater Savior. I want to know him. I've not given my life to him, but I want to now. Is there anyone that would say, yes, that's me? That's me. Anyone at all? Okay. We're going to pray together then, Christians. We're going to praise our Lord and Savior, this greater Savior that's greater than all of our sin. And as soon as I pray, we're going to praise him in song, and then we'll go on our way, okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it shows us ourself. But more than that, it shows us the greater Savior, greater than all of our sin and failures, greater than all of our guilt. Thank you that we've been able to be reminded of that today. Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to each of us, reminding us that no one is too great for your son to save, that no one is beyond grace. And that your grace given in and through your son will always, always be greater. We praise you. Thank you for giving us so great a salvation. May we preach it to ourselves and may we preach it to others, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.